family. Um, it's so nice to see you. Uh, it's so nice to look out and it takes a moment because of the masks to kind of work out who people are. But it's great to see uh, some familiar faces and lots of people that we haven't met, uh, which I guess is a sign that the church is, is growing and new people are joining, which is wonderful. Uh, yeah, this is us. Um, so when we left Edinburgh, it was just me and my wife and Nathan. Uh, Nathan's grown up. Caleb was a baby when we left. Uh, and then Lucy is our newest addition, uh, so they're four, six, and nine. But yeah, loads of love and welcome from West Lothian. So I probably should get my notes out. Um, I'd love to ask you a question, if that's all. Actually, ask you to do something. Uh, encourage you, provoke you, challenge you, inspire you to do something radical. Something that lots of people, in fact, the majority of people in this country don't do. Uh, in fact, the majority of Christians don't do this thing that I'm going to ask you to do. And there's some worried looks on your face. <laughs> um, but before we do that, before I tell you what I'm going to ask you to do, I want to do a little uh, hands-up exercise, a bit of an icebreaker. So could you put your hands up if in the last 24 hours you have slept? Hands up if you've slept in the last 24 hours. Okay, good, most of you, yeah. Few insomniacs, but most of us have slept. Hands up if you have brushed your teeth in the last 24 hours. Okay, good, good. Uh, and final question, hands up if you've watched TV in the last 24 hours. Okay, but again, a lot of us, not all of us. Uh, final question, but I don't want you to answer. Don't put your hands up, because I don't want anyone to feel awkward or uncomfortable. Uh, if the question was this... Hands up, don't put your hands up, if you have read your Bible in the last 24 hours. Ooh. Or maybe if you've read your Bible in the last week. I wonder what it would look like. And the reason I say that is there was a study that was done a couple of years ago where they surveyed Christians and they found that 9% of the Christians surveyed read their Bible every day. 9%. Um, and in actual fact, a recent study in lockdown has shown that that figure has dropped even more. Even though most of us had more time on our hands, we've been reading the Bible less. 9%, just for that in context, I think, I don't know, maybe there's 150 of us in this room. If we're statistically normal, that would be about 13 people in the room read their Bible regularly. Uh, perhaps a more worrying statistic is that over 50% of the Christian surveyed said that they've read their Bible twice or less in the last year. Over 50% had picked up the Bible twice or less in the last year. I think we're a generation that we read the Bible a lot less than previous generations. In actual fact, in that 9%, a large chunk were people in their 60s and 70s, the older generation. Um, even though we've access to the Bible, most of us have got a, a smartphone and literally within a few seconds we can call up the Bible, we're reading it less than ever before. Um, and so the radical thing I want to encourage us and provoke us and challenge us to do is to read the Bible and it'll be a part of that 9%. And I think Nehemiah in chapter 8 is going to challenge us to do that as well. And it's not to make God love you. It's really important we know that. We don't read the Bible. I'm not saying please read your Bible because God will love you more. God already loves you more than you can imagine. He already loves you enough to have sent his son to die for you. He already loves you with a love that is wider and deeper and higher and 
and longer than you can ever imagine. He loves you. It won't make you lo- him love you more. Uh, it's not to earn access to God. We already have access to God through Jesus, his death, his resurrection. But I do think it will do you good. Uh, and I want to throw out a few uh, reasons as we go through why I think reading your Bible will do you good uh, and why I think it will change your life and it will actually change our church uh, and our churches. To be honest, I reckon there's more than 9% of you that read your Bible because, you know, I know what kind of church you are. But uh, anyway, can we go to Nehemiah chapter 8? If you, have, if you have a Bible. <laughs> um, or quickly get your smartphone out and pretend you know how to find the Bible on your smartphone. Um, if you do have a Bible, if you open your Bible in the middle, you'll get to Psalms, and then a couple of books back, uh, you'll find Nehemiah. Um, and you're in this series where you're looking at, uh, I guess, God's people returning from exile. So God's people have been exiled in Babylon. They're now returning under the leadership of Nehemiah, Ezra, and others. And they're on this mission to rebuild and restore Uh, Jerusalem and the nation of Israel, God's people. And part of that process that we're going to see today is they rediscover the word of God. They rediscover and they start to realign themselves to the word of God. Uh, And I think as a generation, we perhaps more than ever before need a similar thing where we rediscover the word of God and we realign ourselves to the word of God. So, Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, And we'll start in verse 1. And it's on the screen. Amazing. Uh, It says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Uh, So that's like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, which the Lord, Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month. Now just pause for a moment. That's an important day. Uh, The first day of the seventh month is actually the first day of the Jewish calendar. It's their new year. So in the Jewish calendar, the first day of the seventh month is their new year. Uh, Leviticus 23, Numbers 29, it talks about the Feast of Trumpets. So on the first day of the seventh month, they celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, On the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement, and the fifteenth of the seventh month is the Feast of Booths. So this date kicks off... Uh, their calendar and it's a kind of a couple of weeks of celebration uh, and uh, remembering God it's called a holy convention uh, offerings and rest and other things so it's quite an important day in their calendar and they chose to do what we're about to read on that day at the start of their new year Uh, let's read on verse 3 Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly which was made up of men and women and all, all who could understand he read it aloud from daybreak until noon Right, so about five and a half hours or so, they read the law. Uh, and he, as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, the women, and others who could understand, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Uh, beside him on his right stood 13 people <laughs> who I'm not going to try and pronounce. Uh, verse 5, Ezra opened the book, all the people could see him because he was standing above them, and as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, another 13 people, uh, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving it meaning so the people understood what was being read. 
Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Uh, and then they actually go on um, Uh, Like I said, on the 15th of that month, it was the Feast of Booths, this feast that God had told them to celebrate. Uh, So they do that. Uh, And in verse 17, it says, From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it, the Feast of Booths, like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. Okay, I've got three observations from this passage. The first observation might sound really obvious. Uh, They read the word of God. They read the word of God. Uh, From dawn until noon, uh, and it actually says day after day, they read or were read to uh, the word of God. Uh, And remember, these people are returning from exile. They've been exiled in Babylon. Some of them wouldn't have had access to to the word of God as we do. They didn't have Bibles in their pockets. So some of these people wouldn't have heard the word of God spoken like this, perhaps ever in their lifetime. Um, It reminds me of a story uh, when I read this. So there was a a guy called David Pawson, who was a a famous preacher. He was leading a church in Guildford, down in uh, England. And uh, he decided, as a church, they were going to read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation nonstop. Uh, A bit like, you know, 24-7 prayer, where someone prays and then someone else prays. They decided they would do it with the Bible. It takes about 85 hours. Uh, So they started on Sunday evening... And the first person started to read Genesis 1, read for 15 minutes, passed on to the next person, read for 15 minutes, passed on to the next person, and they read all the way through till Thursday breakfast at the end of Revelation. Um, The mayor of Guildford, uh, he had a great name. He was called Alderman Sparrow. What a great (laughs) name that is, Alderman Sparrow. Uh, He heard the church was planning to do this, got in touch with David Pawson and said, Uh, I'm the mayor of the town. I just wondered if I could be one of your readers, whether you mind if I got involved with what you're doing. Mr. Pawson said, yeah, absolutely, of course. Uh, So he looked at his kind of schedule and found him a slot at 3.30 Tuesday afternoon. Uh, So the mayor says, wonderful, I'll be there Tuesday at 3.30. Thanks so much. Uh, I'll bring my wife along as well. She'd love to be there as part of uh, what you're doing. Uh, Tuesday comes along. The mayor goes along and um, his wife's not there. So, so David Pawson says to him, oh, is your wife okay? And the mayor says, oh, I'm so sorry she wasn't able to join us because we've got some unexpected visitors coming. Uh, someone's coming tonight and she's been up since dawn cleaning the house, making some food, getting ready for our guests. She would have loved to be here, but she sends her apologies, uh, couldn't be here. Uh, and the mayor is there kind of in his chains of office and all that, and he stands up and he says to Mr. Pawson, uh, which bit of the Bible am I reading? And he says, oh, well, what will you do is you go up And wherever the last person got to, you take the Bible and you just carry on reading for your 15 minutes. Fine. So it comes to half three. He goes up on the stage. The Bible gets passed to him and he picks up in Proverbs chapter 31. 
which some of you are starting to twig. And he starts to read this verses in Proverbs chapter 31 about this amazing wife. And it says she gets up at dawn and prepares food for her family and all these things getting the house ready. And then it goes on in Proverbs 31 to say, her husband is well known for he sits in the council chambers with the other civic officials. And of course the mayor is, he thinks it's a setup. He thinks that he's been primed to read this bit about this wife and this, this civic official. Uh, and so he gets off uh, when he's finished his slot, says to Mr. Paulson, that was amazing. It felt like it was written for me. And uh, Mr. Paulson says, yeah, that's, that's what can happen when you read the Bible. Uh, God can speak to you. And, and the mayor brought, uh, brought a Bible, went away, started to read the Bible. And so I just want to say, God will speak to you. As we read the Bible, it's not an ordinary book. God will speak as you read it. Uh, it's God's word. Scripture is God-breathed. Uh, it's alive and active. And as you start to read it, it's not easy. Let's be honest, this is not an easy book to read. It's not going to grip you like the latest paperback novel. It's going to take a little bit of work, but there is something special about it. It's God's word, and he will start to speak to you through it. Um, I had that, that experience this week. Um, so Tuesday, I, I was reading through the book of Romans, chapter 13. And there's a verse in Romans 13 that says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. And I just kind of read over it and kind of kept on reading. Didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, Christians pay taxes, fine. The next day, well, I think it might have been two days later, we're having some building work done in our house. And it's gone on longer than it should have done. It's cost more than it should have done. Uh, and one of the builders comes to me and says, he's just done the, the rough casting, like putting the pebble dash on the outside. And he's like, um, so that's going to cost £2,100 if you pay cash. Or uh, if you want to do it properly and we're going to pay the tax, it's going to cost you £2,600. What do you want to do? And it was just between me and him. No one else knew, had to know about this. But in that moment, I'd love to say I rejoiced that I felt the Lord had spoken to me. But I was, if I'm honest, slightly reluctant to be the recipient of God's word. But I just knew that God says I have to pay taxes. And so I said to him, look, I, okay, we'll pay the extra 500 quid, which, you know, coming up to Christmas is not necessarily what you want to do. But God does speak. That's the point. God will speak to you as you read the Bible. And I think what you've got in Nehemiah chapter 8, it's almost like a prophetic picture where they build this platform and Ezra's up high and he's reading the word. I feel God would say he wants to give the word of God a platform in your life. He wants to elevate its position in your life. Uh, for some of us, maybe the Bible was this book that we did read, but now it's sat in a cupboard somewhere in a drawer. I feel God would say he wants us to get it out. He wants us to dust off our Bibles and to give them a more prominent position in our life. Okay, so that's my first point, my first observation. They read God's word, and I want to encourage you, let's rediscover God's word. Okay, second observation in the passage. Um, they didn't just read the word, they started to do what it said. If you like, they realigned themselves with God's word. Um, part of the reason that they're weeping and they're mourning is because they're hearing God's word and God's instructions and they're realising we're not doing this. As a people, through the exile and the years prior to that, we've drifted away from what God has said and what God has told his people to do. Uh, we're not following his commandments and his instructions. Uh, and like I said, they go on to have this feast of booths in a way that they hadn't done for hundreds of years. And Jesus said, he said this, didn't he, this story he told about the man that built their house on a rock. 
And he said, everyone who hears these words, but then he goes on and does them, is like a man who built his house on a rock. He doesn't say just listening to these words. He says, if those that listen and do them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain falls, the flood comes, the wind blows, but the house doesn't fall because it's been founded on a rock. Um, We're actually, like I say, we're doing some building work and we've got a photo of this huge trench. This was the first thing they did. All we're doing, it's not a big thing, that we're just building a room above the garage. Um, But the first thing they had to do was they had to dig this foundation. They dug a massive trench, it was about this deep, and then they filled it with concrete. Um, And it felt like it took them forever to do that. But the point was, unless you build on a solid base, you're going to run into problems later on. You're going to start building and things will start to crack and start to subside and it won't be able to take the weight. You need a solid, firm foundation. And Jesus says if you hear the word and do what it says, you're like someone that's building on a rock, on a solid base. Uh, He says you're a foolish man. Uh, If you hear my words and don't do them, it's like you're building on sand. And when the rain falls, the floods come, the house will fall. Uh, If you want a life that is secure and stable and not falling apart, that survives the storms of life, we don't just need to listen to the word. We need to do what it says. Uh, Let me tell you a story. Uh, I've got this book. It's called a DIY manual. Uh, Someone bought it for me a number of years ago. And... If you know me, you know that I love DIY. I'm fairly practically minded. Uh, I studied engineering in Edinburgh. Um, I love problem solving. And when we first got married, we moved into a flat that was a total wreck. Um, I was 24, my wife was 21. We didn't have loads of money. And so, but we managed to buy a, a small flat, but it was a total wreck. It had no hot water, no central heating. The electrics were really dodgy, no bathroom, no kitchen. Literally, it was a shell. Um, but I thought, great, let's, let's renovate the flat. Um, but this is before the days of YouTube, when you can just go on and you know, show me a video of how to plumb in a kitchen sink, show me a video of how to hang a door. Didn't have any of that. So a lot of the time I was making it up. I was doing what I thought was right, or what I thought was best, or what maybe one of my friends had told me, this is how you do this. Uh, even a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, we still know the people who live in the flat. I got a phone call to say, uh, there's some water leaking into the downstairs flat. Uh, and sure enough, I go along and take up some of the floor, and there's a, a joint on a pipe that I remember from doing it was a little bit loose. And I just put some, <laughs> I just put some silicon around it, because I thought, wow, that'll do, that'll do the job. Uh, but it turns out that's not how you secure a waste pipe that's slightly dodgy so and in you know a few years later it's kind of gone moldy and water's starting to seep out and it's leaking into the downstairs flat um another story and this is actually worse than that right so um we really wanted an open fire in our lounge in fact there was there was a fireplace there but the problem was it was a really old flat it was built in the 18th century it was really really old an old tenement flat And um, if you lit a fire in the fireplace, the smoke would go up, but then it would seep into all the neighbors' flats, uh, just because all the chimney breasts were kind of cracked and interconnected and the smoke would get everywhere. So I knew that I had to line the chimney. And uh, I knew that you could get chimney liners. And again, I've got a picture. It's basically a big silver tube that looks like that. And what you do is you, you feed it down your chimney, you cement it in at the bottom, and then you light the fire and all the smoke goes up the line and out the top of the chimney, 
Job done. I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> and the brilliant thing was, at that time, there was scaffolding up uh, a couple of flats along. They were doing some roof work. So I was like, great, I can buy that. I can go up the scaffolding, put it down the chimney, cement it in, perfect. What could go wrong? So that's what I did. So I go on eBay, I buy one of those, and go off onto the flat with my friend Gareth Jones, who used to be in the church, some of you know. And uh, we tried to feed this down the chimney. Gets about this far, and then it gets stuck. And, and this is like a, a tenement block, and we're like way down. Okay, so we get to about this far, there's no way is this metal thing going to go any further. And the reason for that is the chimney was jaggedy. There were all these jagged edges. So Gareth, it was his idea, <laughs> he decided, he, he said to me, he said, well, I think what you should do is buy a big metal uh, pipe, slightly wider than the chimney liner, and if you tie a rope to it and then drop it down the chimney, it will chisel away at the jagged edges. And, uh, and then just pull it back up with the rope and drop it and then pull it up and drop it. And slowly it will kind of chisel its way down. What a great idea. So uh, we went to the steel merchants and we bought this big, huge bit of steel. I got my angle grinder and I sharpened the bottom of it into a kind of a sharp thing, tied a rope to it. And we went up on the roof and dropped it down the chimney. It was working perfectly. It, it chiseled away and we lifted it and we dropped it and it went a bit further. And, we and for 20 minutes we're doing this where we're just kind of dropping it down the chimney, working so well, until I heard some shouting uh, from the street. There was a bit of a commotion. And so we go to the edge of the, the tenement roof and we kind of look over and I see my wife frantically waving and shouting. And I think, oh, okay. Uh, I, didn't, I couldn't hear what she was saying at that point, but I went down the scaffolding to, to find her. And the first thing I noticed was that my neighbour is standing next to her, uh, a wonderful old lady that lived in the flat below us that we flooded. Um, and the first thing I noticed was that she looked so angry. Like, I mean, like the angriest you've ever seen someone look. So I knew straight away something had gone wrong. The second thing I noticed was that her face was covered in soot. <laughs> which was another giveaway that this hadn't maybe got as bad. Uh, and it turns out she, she frog-marched us into her flat, um, literally frog-marched us into her flat. And we went into her lounge, and the whole lounge was black with soot. Um, and basically what had happened is, as we're dropping this massive heavy bit of metal down our chimney, it's vibrating all the chimney stacks, and soot is just, every time we drop it, soot is going zoom, landing in her lounge and going pew, and then we drop it. <laughs> And so her whole lounge, like literally, uh, she had cream walls and they were black. She had this big, expensive rug, it was black. She was the kind of, she lived on her own, she had loads of antiques and ornaments on little shelves, covered in soot. And then she let us out and slammed the door. We did make up, eventually, but it took a long time. And I felt really bad, and stupid, obviously. Um, but the point is, right, the point is I, I was doing what I thought was right. I thought I had a good idea. I thought I was doing some, something that would work. But it turns out it wasn't really how you're meant to do it. What I needed was some kind of guide. And I remember when I got given this for Christmas one year, looking through it and thinking, oh. <laughs> oh, so that's, oh, oh, so that's how you're meant to do that. Or that's how you're meant to plumb in your kitchen sink, oh, oh, you know. And it was that kind of dawning realisation that I'd been doing what I thought was right, but actually wasn't the best way of doing it. 
Um, I guess the Bible is like an instruction book. It's like an expert's manual for life. You know, so often in life, we do things because it's, we think it's the right way of doing it. We think, oh, this will work, or this is how it's always been done. Someone's told me to do it this way. What we need is an expert's guide. And the Bible is God's manual, his expert's manual for us. In his grace, he's given us this instruction manual, how to do things right, how to navigate life well, written by someone who knows what they're talking about, who knows the hairs on our head, who knows the thoughts of our hearts. Uh, And so I want to encourage us again to read it. Uh, But not just to read it, we have to align ourselves to it. There's no point reading this book and me going, okay, so the experts say, this is how I should wire the plug. But do you know what? I think I might do it slightly differently. That would be so silly. And it's the same with the Bible. This is God's expert guide, his instructions for how we do life. And what we see in Nehemiah 8 is the people are realizing, oh, actually, we've been doing it wrong. And we're going to have to make some adjustments and we're going to have to change the way we're doing things and we're going to realign ourselves with God's word. Jesus said it will work out better if we don't just hear, but we also obey. Okay, final, final, final thought, final uh, observation. So what was the first one? Read the Bible. Bible. Second one? Okay, do what it says. Very good. Okay, the third one, uh, the observation I, I see is that it brought them great joy. It brought them great joy. I don't know if you spotted as we read, there's a verse in there that kind of gets thrown around in Christian circles. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You might have heard that verse. It comes in this context where they're rediscovering God's law. Uh, It said in verse 17, their joy was very great. Uh, I love the worship where there was, Chris brought that thing about reigniting joy. Uh, I don't know about you, but COVID and lockdown I think one thing as the church we need is a a fresh reignition of joy. And it says here that as they rediscovered God's word, it brought them joy. Uh, That story I told you about the tax. uh, I knew I'd done the right thing, but I wasn't totally delighted, if I'm honest. Um, But the next morning, uh, I'm in a prayer meeting and someone opens up Psalm 112. And verse 1 in Psalm 112 as I'm kind of mulling on this 500 pounds that I've had to give away, Psalm 112 says, happy is the person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. And the bit that struck me was that verse, taking great delight in his commands. Uh, It doesn't say happy is the person who listens to his commands. It doesn't even say happy is the person who does his commands. It says happy is the person who takes great delight in his commands. And I just felt God challenge me, that, and maybe challenge us, that he doesn't want us just to listen, he doesn't want us just to read, or even just to do, he wants us to delight in his commands. Um, not just reluctantly follow, but take great delight. And there's this kind of weird link between God's words and joy. The joy of the Lord was their strength. They started to do it, and their joy was great. He takes great delight in his commands. Happy is that person. Psalm 1 says a similar thing. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. And that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which will yield fruit, won't wither, whatever he does prospers. There's this funny link that joy comes as we listen and as we follow God's word. So there you go. Few thoughts. 
as we uh, rebuild post-COVID, and I know this series has been about kind of what are some of the foundations we can get in as people and as a church, I want to commend to you that one that's really important is that we get the Word of God in, that we read it regularly. Uh, let's be part of that 9%. Uh, but more than that, let's align our lives to it, choose to delight in it and do what it says. And I do believe by God's grace, as we do that, we'll experience great joy. Amen. Can I pray? Guys, when you stand, we're going to just pray and respond. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you've given us your words. Uh, I thank you that, you know, right back with Moses, you thought it was important for things to be written down and for your people to have a written guide for life. And Lord, I just want to pray you'd help us uh, to read your word. You'd stir us afresh. Uh, you'd give us uh, joy as we read it. By your grace, you'd help us to follow it and to, uh, to be obedient. Lord, I just want to pray, Lord, you'd elevate it in our lives. God, it would be like a, a raising the profile of the word of God in our lives. Uh, Lord, I thank you there's no condemnation. I thank you, actually, if we've not read the Bible for years, you love us no less. Uh, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, but Lord, I pray, Father, you'd inspire us and you'd stir us and you'd help us. And I pray we'd know great joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just to stay standing for a minute, I, I just feel um, that was such a helpful word Dave brought for us, and I just think there's a moment for each one of us just to just to come before God, just to decide some things right now. I think it's, it's uh, I don't know about you, I was just sitting there just feeling excited about the Word of God afresh, really excited, but we don't want to just be excited, we want to be people who make decisions to to really press into that. And God's been calling us to, to make some decisions, to read his word, to, to really get that into our hearts. So why don't we just come before God again? Just, you might want to just say, yeah, God, I, I've always found this hard. I've, I've, never, I've never really been somebody who's managed to, to read the Bible regularly. I, I, I want you to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me a desire to do that, to give me uh, just the, the yearning for your word, to help me to be disciplined in it and to keep going and to persevere. You might, um, you might need to take a decision today to get other people involved in encouraging you in reading the Bible. And uh, just as, as Dave was reading that story from Nehemiah, just aware of it's, it's something that all the people are doing all together. And, and I just feel there's something in that for us in terms of doing this together, saying something to, to a friend at the end of this service or over the coming days, like, I really want to get stuck into the Word of God. Will you help me to do that? Will you help me to keep me accountable? Or will you just discuss what we're reading with me? We have a, a reading plan, a, a Bible reading plan, reading God's Word together that's available uh, on our website. You can find it in the resources section. And um, that might be a great thing that you want to just use. To, it's just a chapter of the Old Testament, chapter of the New every day, or you can just do one chapter of the New or something like that. Just to take a practical response in terms of what God has been saying to us through Dave this morning. Yeah, Lord, we thank you so much for this amazing word of God that you've given us, your word, 
your word for our lives. And we just thank you so much for Dave and all he's encouraged us in this morning, all he's stirred us in. We pray, Lord, that uh, it would bear great fruit in the coming weeks and months and years in each of our lives, that as we dig into your word, we would see uh, just how good it is to build our lives on that rock. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Thanks so much. Let's hear it for Dave, everyone. Just thank him for coming today.